Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello there, lads and lassies, and a very warm welcome to the Daily Record Celtic podcast. Today is just the two of us who have assembled, ready to chat through all of the big talking points from the Europa League defeat against Valencia and Sunday's dramatic win at Kilmarnock. I'm Stuart Hodge, I'll be hosting the pods, and Michael Gannon from the Daily Record Sports Desk joins me as we sift through all of the fallout from two dramatic games involving the Scottish champions. We will also look ahead to Thursday night shindig at the Mestalla. So, I don't know about you, Mick, normally I'm all about the old chronological order, but I think we have to start this week's pod by talking about the weekend's drama doing in my home county of Ayrshire. Now, obviously, there's an unfortunate amount of non-football nonsense we have to touch upon, but let's start off with the Fitba. How was the game? You were there. How, how, how did you... You feel it as it, it was happening. Well, I'll tell you what. See, after about seventy-four minutes, I was I was sitting in the, in the press box, with my laptop, and um, I had some random collection of words in front of me, and it was it wasn't particularly inspiring. There was not not much mm. going on. It was a pretty dull kind of goalless draw. Not many, not much goal mouth action. I mean, it's pretty entertaining enough in terms of scrap, but he haw happening. <laughs> um, I think I, I think actually it might be my my fault. I think I turned to a colleague and said, "This is not really much to write home about here today. Is there's not really much of a, a line because there would be a point would have been all the drama twenty four hours earlier with Rangers dropping points, Albion yep. dropping points. They kind of it would be as you were basically Aye. at the start of the weekend. So I thought it's, it's a bit meh, really. And mm. then and then fast forward fifteen minutes and it was a turkey. It was just bedlam, wasn't Absolute it? Absolute mayhem, um, which is which I think is something Scottish football is actually absolutely brilliant for that oh aye um, you can be sitting at a match one minute and thinking this is there's not much going on here and then half an hour later it's pants in the head and pencils up the nose <laughs> Good it's black. all great fun I'll tell you what the fact you've got a black adder reference in there early doors oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of that kind of work that's my generation so <laughs> <laughs> excellent now I mean this seems a little wee bit of an obvious question but given the nature of that victory the old cliche is it's what champions do they dig out results at other top teams and, and what they do is they go out, even if they've not played their best, they get the three points. Now, if you couple the fact that Rangers have dropped points again and that Celtic won in, in that nature as well, I mean, is the title even more Celtics to lose than it already was? I, I think I think this is the weekend. I think when, when we look back on the season, I think this could be one of the weekends you, you look at as a defining factor in the campaign. I don't see, I, I don't see any way back. In terms of Rangers catching Celtic now, I think eight points with twelve games to go. Um, you need the Celtic Rangers need Celtic to drop three defeats, aye, or four draws, or five draws, whatever. Because the points, the goal difference is different as well. It's quite mm. um, um, huge. So I, I just don't see Celtic losing three games more than Rangers. I no. think I think the season is now effectively done. Aye. You think, you think he says, it? I've not got a coupon up since October. Um, <laughs> no, I think so. I think, I think um, the, only, the only kind of match now I think you can look to is perhaps the, the, the old firm game, end of March. If Rangers can get a result there, it might 
breathe a bit of life into it. But even then, I still think that, that, that this weekend was, was decisive. Rangers dropped points at home to St. Johnson. Aberdeen dropped points at home to St. Mirren and Celtic won in, in, in that fashion. I think I think, I think that some, there's some games you get a sense that it's a seismic moment in yeah. the season. And I think that was one of them. Um, and listen, you talk about it as a cliche, that, uh, that's how champions, but listen, it's a cliche for a reason because it's time and time again, teams that win titles have a habit of grinding out results when they need them. Well, a prime example, if you think of Alex Ferguson's Man United team, you, you always get the feeling that a late goal was coming and more often than not, I mean, you get the old cliche about Fergie time and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Man United would dig out the result, they would get that goal and they would go on and they would win. Now, applying that to the weekend's game, did you feel that that Celtic goal was coming? No. Or, no, you didn't? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Because I think Kamark were very impressive at squeezing the life out of Celtic listen the red card changed the momentum and, and impetus of the game so after that point yeah there was every chance Cut Broadfoot's red card Cut Broadfoot's red, red card 50 minutes to go did change the, the way the game was going because should that, that have point, been a red by the way oh if they did a week just double check aye, aye aye I think so I mean there's there's contentious red cards and then there's that one I think big um, big Kirk went in with um, like a steam train uh, I think even he knew that it aye. was a red I don't think there's any doubt about it Clumsy yeah. more than malicious, I think. Yeah, but you can't you can't be that late and that high no. and make contact and not expect to be getting the, the first use of the team shampoo. What about Brown in the first half? Well, that's an interesting one. I, I actually think there's a case that's a red card as well. I, I think, listen, it's not, I don't think it's a black and white, red, definitely red, definitely not a red, I, mm-hmm. I think, but I could see that being a red card. I thought it was it was really late. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, if you're looking at the way the action he, 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 he makes with his boot into the shin, isn't it a million miles away from the Al McGregor one the week before against Lewis Ferguson? Different circumstances with a goalie. Hmm. I always think goalies are right to defend themselves. Anyway, that's a different <laughs> issue. Peter X, dud goalie. But I, I think I think he was perhaps fortunate because I think uh, that's in England, the Premier League England, red card every day of the week. Hmm. Uh, in Scotland, where it's a bit more kind of uh, Mad Max country, I think it's, it's perhaps a yellow, maybe a yellow and a half. Blackadder and Mad Max, we're going oh, yeah, well. Getting all the pop, all the 80s references today. No, it's going well. We're not even six minutes into the podcast yet, and that's you get two crackers in there. Um, right, so, I mean, if, if, we, if we look at the, the, the game, I mean, we've talked about how important it's, it's, it's going to be in terms of the overall picture of things. But in terms of where Celtic are as a club... If you look at the fact that you've got the disappointment of the the sort of Valencia, which we'll, we'll come on to talk to, talk about in a bit more detail. But if you look at that on one side and then the kind of bouncing back at the weekend, then is there an argument to say Celtic are in kind of some sort of weird limbo? Well, they're, one. Yeah, they're yeah. dominant domestically. Yeah. Yeah, they've reached that point in Europe where they, I mean, it's as, almost as if they can't go any further unless they spend vast swathes of cash, or at least that seems to be the manager's narrative on the, on the whole affair. I mean... It's a weird one, isn't it? It is. But I, I think they, I think they're a scope to perform better in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, I don't think they can just say, "Well, we've, we've had a glass ceiling in Europe, therefore we take our dunce and yeah. then go back to it and enjoy ourselves in, in, in Scotland." Mm-hmm. Um, listen, they're, they're, they're dominant in Scotland, but they still got job to do here uh, and win the league in the, in the cup as well. They've got a tough cup tie against Hibs cup as well. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what you get from them? So the league's still to be wrapped up as much as they're in a, a strong position now. Um, but the European thing, yeah, they are, I mean, they are, listen, European football, the landscape has completely changed. Um, it is more difficult than ever. And you look at the last, this last 30, 32 in the Europa League, the teams in there, 
especially see the teams that Celtic could have got in that draw. I don't think I think maybe the two out of the sixteen looked winnable maybe. And even then, was it Zagreb and, and Genk or Ghent or one of the Belgian teams? Maybe mm. that's another one, maybe. They could have got. But the rest of the teams in there who are seeded frightening. Nah. Every team uh, fourteen out of sixteen teams in that uh, that list would have done the same Celtic as we've done in two thousand eight. But does that mean that you accept it or do you try and find another way to try and play better? Find a different system. Is there not an argument though? If you look at what Celtic did uh, in the three-three game with Man City, which I, I still maintain, I think that's probably one of, if not Celtic's best performance in Europe, one of their best. They've had bigger results, yeah. But if you look at the fact that Celtic went toe to toe with a team as good and as rich and with as many quality players yeah, yeah. as Man City, they played the same style of football as them. They went basically toe to toe at two boxers, yeah. And like, I mean, they came off even in points. If you like to, to continue, yeah, but the th- but I think they tried. Variants of that and then get get scudded like PSG in Barcelona, which is, so, is the thing. That, so it's that, going backwards, isn't it? If you score, if you score these goals, it's great. But uh, uh, right, listen, see the thing about fo- the great thing about football is it's probably the only sport I think that that the best team or best player doesn't always win. Mm. I mean, definitely with the most regularity. With I the, yeah, there's ways. And what I'm saying is that 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 um, if you rugby. Tennis, these kind of teams, the, be- the better team or individual tends to come out on top more mm-hmm. often than not. In football, it's not always the case, and quite a lot of times it isn't the case. So there are different ways, because there's, there's so many ways you can win a match or, or compete in a game. Mm-hmm. So, listen, so the, the difference between Kamar and Celtic isn't any any smaller than the difference between Celtic and Valencia in terms of financial disparity. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, when you start going up at that level, the gap does get wider in terms of quality. If you go from a, a 20 grand a week player to a 100 grand a week player, the gap is more than a twenty grand a week to a two Five. grand a week. Aye, aye. If you know what I mean, its increments are, are, are wider. Mm-hmm. So I understand it's harder, but it's still, come on, competed for ninety minutes against a team with a budget which is fifteen times their budget, um, and the last they competed, they beat Celtic twice at Road Park. Albeit there's other factors, but you use these factors, and Celtic haven't in the last three seasons. I don't think Celtic have used other factors to their advantage to try and compete with better teams because they tend to lose to better teams. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, PSG, Barcelona's these kind of teams, Bayern Munichs. Yeah, you expect to lose, but you, expect it, you don't uh, expect to get scudded by seven. Make them work for it. Make them hard. Exactly. Make it work. I, I, think, I think, listen, uh, it's admirable the way Celtic play, um, but I think they have to, to try and... Uh, I, I don't know into this pragmatism thing and all that stuff. Listen, they not just played five at the back in the new camp, one nil down in two minutes, and they could have been 15 down eventually. So it's not just about that, but it's about not asking players to play certain ways that they, uh, is beyond their skill set. Because mm-hmm. I think that that's the thing I can't understand, that as an injuries play a part and you rely on guys who you maybe, maybe not wanted to have in there, but let them play to a, a skill level they're capable of rather than asking them to do things that they're not. Well, that that, that was actually that's, a point. That's what I feel like. That, that, that was a, a point that I was going to come on to, but since you bring it up now... It says I nicked it. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all right. I was reading your notes. <laughs> uh, Scott Brown, uh, or sorry, Scott Brown, Scott Bain, Dedrick Boyata and Jozo Simunovic, and they're getting high-pressed constantly. So the answer to me, if, if I was playing that game of football, would be, right... If we're putting ourselves under pressure, 
in such a such a difficult area of the park that if you lose it, you're basically giving up a goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. And why not bypass that area of the park, or at least bypass that that sort of way of playing out for the back? Yeah. Maybe do it in such a way that I'm oh, sorry, I'm getting that impassioned. I'm battering oh, the mic stand there. That's, this is my rock and roll moment. I feel like I'm back at Robbie Park. Here. There's chaos <laughs> kicking off in here. But yeah, if, if if you're finding that you're getting yourself in situations that are looking dangerous, and there was, I mean, before Valencia got the first goal which obviously it was Izaguiri in the offside trap sort of element there, but there was umpteen opportunities that the Valencia could have had and that really nearly had. There was that sort of trifecta of passes for Scott Brown just straight out into the he'd stand. Yeah, mad 15 minutes, didn't And yeah. it's just, I think, what's it, it was almost like Celtic were the architects of their own downfall in that game and that they were trying to play a way that was beyond their ability, like you say. Yeah. So... In that sense, should there no be a bit of pragmatism for the boss to say, "Look, do you know what? This isn't going to work. We need to we need to look at doing it slightly Find differently." Find another way. Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, listen, in Scotland, listen, uh, uh, Scottish players and players playing in Celtic, they get an extra half a second in Scotland, so they get a ball to feet. They can take control. They can look up, make a pass. Mm-hmm. And that, that's all kind of that's a fluid movement, right? Mm-hmm. But seeing against these top teams. That fluid movement, that, that's a three-stage movement. When you come up against teams at that level, it's one movement. They're exactly. doing it before the ball comes. They're taking it on the turn, they're away. So, um, I, mean, I, I'm, I'm, I think James Forrest is a fantastic player, but he's a, a, a Scottish player at a certain level. He gets the ball, pulls it down, looks up, picks a pass. Whereas, I remember it was at um, Verratti when PSG came to Parkhead mm-hmm. and, he, and he was taking balls in his chest on the turn and he's away. And, he, and it's just, it's a different sport. Yeah, that half a second did they get in Scotland don't get in Europe there's somebody on them on a flash and that press at Valencia and Valencia sat that was actually in hindsight the first 15 minutes Celtic played really well but Valencia just actually sat a wee bit deep and I almost kind of looked around and seen right let's see what you've got and then realised right if we just squeeze up now we can just take the ball off them and then both goals came from losing possession in key areas uh, and turning the, turning the possession getting down the flanks over like over the top like you say shoot themselves in the foot a wee bit some of them but you're asking guys to do things that like I'm saying there that you know, get, Milo Zagheri struggling four years ago in Europe four mm-hmm. years on he's not going to be he's not going to be Roberto Carlos four years later no, good course. little player but he, he was struggling in Europe under Ronnie Dyla's era not going to be improving to do the same do better four years later so and he was doing that kind of um, lava dance from the ball his feet, his feet were going like the clappers <laughs> like, almost like panicking getting these bonder type situations and it's not his game um, no. And I don't think you can. You can. Uh, I mean, it's, a, it's the old Frankie Butler, Frankie Boyle line, isn't it? You don't hire a monkey butler and complain when it throws at the wall. <laughs> and, uh, on the tactical. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, but uh, uh, you're asking guys to perform things that they maybe not aren't comfortable doing. Right, we're in the verge of making far too many analogies here, but I had another Blackadder one for you. Mm-hmm. Slit the the sort of what we're going to do. The same plan that we've done fourteen times before. <laughs> exactly right. what they expect us to do. Therefore, exactly what we shall do. Yeah. And that that I think is you've got to say that that's true. A bit of Brendan Rogers Celtic as well. Yeah, but I said what I mean. What to an extent the, the Leipzig game at, at Celtic Park? I thought they did really well that kind of game um, and that they have improved on it I mean you see it in Scotland there's certain matches in Scotland keep the ball forever knock it about they go through the, they work these little triangles go through each each phase in the pitch and all that stuff and it is it's really good to watch but you just don't get that luxury of that extra half a second that nanosecond you need in Europe when you're playing against the, the very top players um, therefore I think Celtic need to, to think differently at that level 
No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Don't want to go. I mean, it's, it's one of these where we've got a sort of fluid thing going on, a, a fluid midfield movement where we've sort of verged onto Europe. But I'm going to take it back right. towards Kilmarnock again because there's a lot of off-field stuff that, 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 that really needs to be spoken about. Um, first thing I want to touch on, Bruni's red card. Should the ref maybe have shown a bit of common sense, not gone to his pocket for the, the celebration, or was he right to apply the letter of the law when he oh, jumped into the crowd? Did he sent off the... I think, actually, as I'm not in any way um, pointing the finger at Scott Brown for some of the carry-on we saw at Rugby Park, but when you saw the reaction from some of the supporters jumping onto the pitch, the celebration, that's why you have that rule in place, to Absolutely. stop that kind of thing happening. I'm it's a public say, safety issue. It is, that's, that's, like it or not, that's the reason why we have that, those rules, and because they don't, the powers of we don't want fans surging towards the players to celebrate, because it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think fans spilling onto the pitch proved the point. So I don't think you can have any complaints. I don't think. Listen, I don't think Scott Brown have any complaints. You know, they all know the rules. Um, that if you, if you listen, he didn't actually go into the crowd. Let's, I think, but he left the field of play, hopped over a holding. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, you get the usual folk, Killjoy. Oh, Killjoys, you know, want to celebrate the fans. But listen. It just takes one wee kid in there getting jammed in there and getting injured and all that stuff, and all of a sudden it's not worthwhile. Do you know what I mean? Well, uh, so, there there was an instance in the the Dundee United St Mirren Cup tie where the Dundee United fans surged forward yeah. and a, a member of the crowd was injured, end up cut off in a stretcher. Yeah. Exactly. And so, I mean, it's something that that fans I do think have to be aware of. Do you think some of the the Celtic support deserve criticism in a general sense for their their, their behaviour in rugby behavior. park? Yeah. yeah, very much so. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, because, listen, Chris Boy gets hit with a coin out of order. Yeah, that's completely out of um, order. The, some of the, the, the chants aimed at Chris Boyd, out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, the folks spilling at the pitch. Uh, listen, you give some of them, you say, right, okay, high jinks and all that stuff. The ones that run out the pitch, the half a dozen that run at the park and Tud Taunton come out players, out of order. Um, the ones, the, the constant barrage of, of, of um, smoke bombs and flares... Listen, this is driving Celtic crazy. I, mean, mm-hmm. I know for a fact that the club is driving them to distraction because somebody is going to get hurt by one of these things. Mm-hmm. It could be a kid, it could be anyone. Uh, but these these flares and, and I mean it's it is going to, are going to cause somebody see it's injury. It's coming. It's coming soon. It's, it's so regular now. It's going to cause a problem. Um, also, it completely wrecks parts of that this plastic pitch. I mean, we could all we could all up that flare. <laughs> uh, with these things but it's dangerous and it's, it's it behaviour behaviour that is a concern and I know Celtic are, are at the wits end with a, a section who are who don't care don't get monkeys I mean it's, if it's anti-social behaviour or whatever um, they don't no, bother it's, it's almost like they aspire to it no they just don't care they just, it's just a two fingers up don't care we'll do what we want but it's, it's going to take somebody's going to get a sore one at some point he's hope but it's nothing serious but it, it, it Listen, you, uh, we all love the drama, the chaos, the mayhem, but at, at some point you've got to say, right, chaps, behave. Hmm. Come on. Listen, um, Celtic fans give their, their team incredible backing. I mean, it's the atmosphere at Celtic Park is around the way. The atmosphere is tremendous, but there's some naughtiness that needs to be addressed. Was it a minority at Rugby Park? Ah, it was, I mean, there were two full stands of people. Um, and it's actually a lot of the people at the game will, will think. I mean, listen, I'll, I'll probably get pelters for, for even daring to criticise some of the, some of the fans. But the guys in that that's these stands when they go with the young kids and all that stuff, and they got that right. Enough's enough, chaps. Behave, mm-hmm. um, because football isn't just for 
one wee section. No, it's, 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 it's not just the young team who are banging the drum and singing and all that stuff. They bring a lot of, of colour and a lot of, a lot of well, I was going to say a lot of flair, maybe that's not the right word. <laughs> but they bring, they bring a lot to the game. But they're not the only ones. There's the old boys with the bonnets, there's the, 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 the dad with the wee girl and their wee boy, mm-hmm. there's the families. There's a, it's a whole cross section of the game. It's not just the young team. Um, therefore, I think they have to be mindful of, of their fellow supporters as well who are getting the trains to the games, who are going to the, the pub, who are going to the matches and want to enjoy it in a different environment. They don't want that side of it. They might like the spectacle that they create, but when it starts to cause danger, mm-hmm. then maybe somebody's got to reel it in a bit. You mentioned Chris Boyd. We, we, we need to, to really talk about that. That is such a big incident in, 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 in a general sense and one of an alarming number of coin-throwing incidents that we've seen in Scottish football this season alone. And I mean, now, see for me, right, I think that the unique selling point, if you like, and some quality business jargon there, the USP of the Scottish game is the unparalleled levels of pantomime villainry that we have and, and the passions invoked on that side of things by rivalries and individuals and stuff like that. But when it spills over into incidents like this, and as we say, they're mounting up now this season, then surely something's got to be done there needs to be an answer to this because most of the Celtic supporters I've spoken to have nothing but condemnation for the perpetrator of that and I know that you put the tin hat on for the, the record sport hotline about, and there was a lot of talk about the incident as well yeah, yeah. but but where do we go from here short of banning people taking coins or, or any type of that projectile like that into a football ground what's the answer? That's the thing I mean I mean, it's not. I mean, it's, it's, what, I, what I was talking about there is not. It's not just a Celtic problem because every single club has got an element. Granted, um, so it's a societal thing. Um, but I've been to game this season. It was at Tynecastle when 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 Lenny was hit with a coin. Mm-hmm. When um, some Hearts fan tried to punch the, the or the Hibs fan tried to punch the goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, you seen at Livingston that the linesman getting pelted by the lighter. It seems to be that it's crept back into the game. This behaviour. So we've got a, a real problem. But listen, there's, a, there's, a, there's an easy way to deal with it. Would be be a strict liability job. But the chances of the clubs working for strict liability are absolutely zero. Mm. Because if you start talking about fining clubs for the behaviour of the fans, points deductions. Can you imagine points deductions in Scottish football? It'd be negative goal, not negative points totals for winning the league <laughs> because nobody would have any points. It'd be white. I mean, if it, if it was points to emotions, the whole SPFL would be in the Highland League before well, long. Listen, Scottish football, everybody's got an agenda against your club anyway. If you start bringing points deductions into it, then we might oh, as well right. just shut so, up the shop. But the clubs are never going to vote for it because they've all got that element. Yeah, of so course. they're all at risk mm-hmm. for it. So um, how how we we improve? The football and public as a society, I don't know. I mean, it's it's it has to be education and the, the, the young people and all that stuff. But it's a, it's a good. It's, it's, it's a massive. It's, it's question. trying to get a Q two. Do I have one handbrake turning and talk cross paths? <laughs> I don't know how you turn it around. Ah, uh, you always come out with a crack. Love a tortured metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, now, Chris Boyd, he's shown he's got a bit of sense of humour. We all remember the kind of belly juggling goal celebration earlier this season 
And he obviously gets slagged for being a bit tubby and those kind of things. You mentioned some of the, the less savoury, the kind of more sectarian chants. But what do you think of his reaction following the incident? Because he really hit out his Celtic supporters. He said, We're led to believe they're the greatest fans in the world, wrecking seats, flares and invading the park. Oh, and in case anyone didn't know, I'm just a fat orange. It must be my favourite colour. In brackets, swear word beginning with a B inserted here. Another beep. Or beep to, uh, <sighs> beep out, a couple, couple of bleeps, aye. Um, now, is he right to come out and, and say that? Like, he's obviously been hit with a coin. It's a dangerous thing. I mean, it could feasibly have taken his eye out so was he right to do that or is he just stoking up more trouble by well, by reacting in that way Chris Boy's an adult and he's entitled to have his opinion he's been hit with a coin and a hit with abuse um, so he's entitled to come out and say what he likes um, and fair, fair play to him um, listen he he revels in that like we mentioned in that pantomime villainy he loves all that stuff and he has oh absolutely years. so he, and, he, and he gives a bit back he takes it gives mm-hmm. a bit back I've seen him at Pataudry uh, where he gets absolute dog's abuse as well and, mm-hmm. and celebrate with his belly out and all that stuff so it, it, there is a, and I think I think he knows that there's a bit of give and take and he likes a bit of that stuff but there's a line and when you're physically put in danger you've crossed the line yeah. and I think I think even even some of the other the other, the other kind of sing songs he gets I think it falls in deaf ears with him usually but when you add that to the physical threat as well with a coin getting thrown at you um, then I think that that brings that into focus as well. So it's just, it's just not one really. It's, it's, listen, we, I said we've touched on it, we love the, the, the kind of mayhem and, and nonsense in Scottish football, but there is a, a point where you go, right, no, enough. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it's enough. No, granted, and listen, he wasn't the only one unhappy after the game. Uh, one of our eagle-eyed guys on the record sport online team spotted a, a social media post from Timothy Weir after the game where he said, in regards to my yellow card, I just want to say sorry to any Kelly fans that were offended and who took it the wrong way. But with all that being said, I was targeted by three players from the moment I stepped on the pitch. Go back and look at all the cheap shots that were taken and the trash talking as well. To be honest, I understand it's all a part of the game. I took it and I didn't let it affect my match. But at the end of the game, I gave them a taste of their own medicine and took the consequences that came with it. No problem. I love everybody and respect everybody that respects me. I guess being kind all the time makes you look weak, but I refuse not to stand up for myself and my teammates because at the end of the day, that's what family is for. Now, if you look at the young man's comments, it suggests that it might have been a bit of a learning experience, a bit of a welcome to the SPFL, the Premiership, mate. We, we Timo, is now been fully integrated into the SPFL <laughs> nonsense. That's he's, in, he's part of the blender now. He's in, he's in now. He's uh, when he first arrived, I think um, it shows you your age when you sit and talk to him when he arrives, and you think, uh, what a, what a nice young man he is. He's a very polite and educated <laughs> young fella. Three weeks later, he's he's uh, right in the madness. Ah, that, that's it. <laughs> he's giving him the get it up, he's and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> listen, he, if he's going to write, if you're going to the debate of. of players try to wind him up then mm-hmm. he's going to get a lot of bookings and that's it he's going um, to be a target but listen I think if you I think Celtic fans would be listening to that oh I think it would whip down quite quickly wasn't it I don't it think was it, yeah. I think I think he kind of thought better of putting it up publicly aye, aye, or somebody thought better of him putting it up publicly well that's it so it was a um, bit immature listen no listen these guys he's got about about 15 million followers mm. Um um, so I think he's I think his dad was quite famous apparently so his mum was at the game mum was at the game uh, on Sunday was she? yeah the first lady of Liberia at oh, Rugby aye, Park. that's right aye apparently she was in um, 
doing Jaeger bombs and finding my gaslight. That's that's a joke, by the way. That's the pub. The name of the pub. I know, no, no, I know, but I'm saying that's 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 a joke. I'm pretty sure she wasn't doing Jaeger bombs. She got she got around then. Play. You can't you can't fault that philanthropy. A bit of a sight. But no, but he's. Yeah, these boys are different. I mean, that's, maybe they're in the wrong generation, but they're all social media savvy and all that stuff and get their message out, um, albeit if it's only for a short period of time. Um, listen, I'm all for players, same to think. I don't like gagging players or telling them to, to, to shut up. Well, you're a journalist, Michael. Well, that's I, to be exactly, expected. Exactly. I rely on these people saying daft things. Um, <laughs> but listen, as I say, I think, I think Celtic fans would, would be listening to that and seeing that and thinking you'll do for us son because he's, he has he has really thrown himself into this this project at Celtic I absolutely mean, he, he seems see, really invested in it yes you see some young some young loan players coming and maybe thinking they're, they're better than this standard or and it's about them they're passing through and it's a wee bit about them yeah yeah and maybe it's like oh, I'm getting games it's, I'm only here for one minutes in the pitch I want a certain amount of minutes and so but when I see he does seem to be genuinely right into it mad for it mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't think anyone will have any problem with him coming out and saying listen as I say you've got to be careful that if he's going to bite and get booked mm-hmm. every time he gets wound up in the pitch in Scotland then he's he's going to be getting a lot of bookings nah, and he's um, going to be getting wound up all the time yeah exactly but I don't think it didn't affect the performance I thought he did well when he came on I thought he looked lively um, I actually thought he should have been on perhaps 15 minutes earlier uh, before the before the red card even mm. Um before, uh, before Freo did come on, sorry. Um, Do you think Brendan Rodgers generally a wee bit slow sometimes to, to look to his bench? <laughs> no, I don't think so, no. I think no. He's, um, he's... One of the things that, that's kind of struck me about Brendan Rodgers and watching him at close quarters has been his in-game management. Yeah. He's, he's, he's really quite... He's extremely good at changing things, running repairs... I mean, even if he starts a formation or a system he doesn't like, you'll see the run repairs happening quite quickly. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's the case. Um, uh, no, I don't think so either. Yeah. I, was just I also it, think. I also think he wanted to give Odson Edward a certain amount of time. Listen, he, he, he faded badly. Mm-hmm. But I think he wanted to get him up because the only way he's going to get back to up the speed is if he plays the minutes. So I think he had this conflict of of sticking with him to get beyond that kind of hour mark and beyond. And then changing, um, but you get the feel. I mean, he must he must be sitting on the bench even with a quarter to go. When you look around, you got you got Weir on the bench, Oliver Burke on the bench. It must give the manager a, a little bit of kind of comfort, thinking, right, I'm not got a goal yet, but I've got some hefty artillery on the bench here that can come on. Um, so I can understand why he maybe waited purely for get minutes for for Edward. Hmm. Um, but I, I think in terms of the actual match itself. I think, yeah, possibly could have got made some changes earlier. But I can see the reasons why. It's, it seems sense. an interesting thing that you can look at a lot of Brendan Rodgers' decisions of that nature. And quite often you can see his thinking. So you can see how he's, he's squad managing. Yeah. But you can also see at the same time as he's squad managing, you can kind of see when he's making decisions that are based on the game. And you, it's almost like you can discern which decisions are on a sort of more general basis and a, yeah. a kind of squad sort of thinking type of plane. And then there's other decisions that he makes where you think, all oh, right, he's, he's quite good there. He's actually trying to influence something in this particular match. Yeah. But 
it's quite transparent, I think. You can see when he's applying which methodology. Or is that just me? No, no, well, if, if I can see it, it must be quite transparent because I'm, uh. <laughs> I'm a bit slow up to it usually. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, definitely. Um, but there's always a few plates getting spun at the same time, isn't there? I mean, there's another Aye. European game around the corner. That's be... a ridiculous schedule. I mean, from the middle of the summer. Aye, the first half of the season is, I mean, I... Uh, it's still in the actual in terms of the schedule and the, the Scottish season it still isn't right. Uh, no, you don't think. No, I don't think. I don't think so. Um, I, so I what think, would you change? Well, we'll get the winter shutdown in January, but we play two months worth of football in December to get to the winter shutdown. Therefore, we need the winter shutdown because the players are knackered through December. Right. Um, I would. I know they don't like it, but I would punt the the last the semi final final League Cup back to March when there's nothing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the two 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 rounds of fixtures off the grid. Because then you invariably end up with teams involved with having to play a, an extra match in December to cover the match they play in the semi-finals and then the final. They might have two games to make up, so you end up with nine, ten, eleven games in December. Um, and you chuck in the European aspect as well. I would. I don't see the point of playing the, the League Cup group section in June, July or July. Sorry, when the teams that need to play in June and July are not playing because they're playing in Europe. The ones that could do would be up to speed earlier. So I maybe bump the whole season earlier. Hmm. Um, I don't know, but I just don't think I don't think it's quite quite there yet. Um, Aye, Steph has. I think the, the clubs will love the winter break, but I think it's because the December is so brutal that they they, they crawl into the December break. Well, you just need to look at that old firm game. I mean, yeah, uh, that, that I mean Celtic out. Celtic were completely done. At that point, I almost think yeah. it, there was a certain recalcitrance, maybe about Brendan Rodgers' team selection big, for that one. Big words in them, a tabloid uh, reporter. Yeah, uh, uh, do you know something? I'm bad for that. It's no, like terrible. It's, it's it's a disease. It's, it just uh, just comes out. It's, you never see the light of day in the paper. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no, that <laughs> Cause would, I, can't, cause I can't spell them. That would definitely be uh, a sub editor would get rid of that for <laughs> for, for for some reason. Um, right, back on to Europe. We'll finish with that. Um, because obviously Mestaya beckons on Thursday night, uh, which is a five to six kickoff. I think is that right? Aye, right, uh, which uh, nice balmy early evening in Spain. Are you going over? I'm not. No, I'm, I'm missing this one out. Set this one out. No, oh. um, you, you got a pa- painful hamstring or maybe unfortunately. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> listen, the tie's done. It's done, isn't it? Uh, it's, you have to face facts. There's, there's not. Well, you, you said last week that uh, Celtic might sort of squeeze a win at home, whatever, and then get beat 3-0 in Spain. You've written the match report before, but they'll, they'll actually need to win 3-0 yeah. now if, if this yeah. isn't going to be but, dead. But Celtic produced their away performance in the home leg this time. Yeah, that was nice of them. That was their away performance. Ch- change that, it up. That was the usual Celtic away performance just a week early. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, kind of, it's a shame though that you're going into the game and there's nothing really riding on it now. You're almost thinking, would Brendan Rodgers be better? You can rest in players. Listen, you've you got to think, what if? What if they get an early goal? What mm-hmm. if they get an early goal? Can, does that change the complexion of the tie? And you think, but he just can't. You can't. I can't see a set of circumstances unfolding that would allow Celtic to go and get a three goal. No. If a two goal win, then maybe get next time. Maybe uh, Valencia looked quality. Even missing quite a few players, they looked look quality. They did. They, they um, looked decent, but at the same time, I think a better team wins that game by four goals. No, but I don't think... But what my point was last week, the teams like Valencia and, and all these are other, but even big sides in Europe... That wasn't a bomb, by the way. That was me just scalping a cup off you, the table. You sparking the pyro there. <laughs> um, I was showing off my flair. <laughs> Flares. <laughs> um, 
No, but these teams to come to Glasgow, and I don't think they're, they're particularly fussed about actually winning the game or such. They may be happy to take a draw, even a narrow defeat. So I think they've they arrive with the mentality. I've seen it happen last year with Zenit. I've seen it before. Um, teams come to Glasgow, maybe falling for the whole kind of Parkhead mythology and thinking we'll go there, we'll get a not an each draw, one each draw, maybe a narrow defeat, and we'll take care of business back at home. I think Valencia came in with that attitude as well. First twenty minutes last week, mm-hmm. kind of. Well, just see how it goes here, and then I think quickly realised they got listen, they get gifted a goal at bad times. Um, but even when it went two, I think they were particularly happy just to kind of contain and see it out. So I think a bit of joy towards the end. But I think even then they'd have been happy, even lose even one and two one would have been fine with that. They would they'd been over the moon with that result. Do you think they would have been surprised at the lack of response from Celtic though? Because Celtic didn't really push that much. Odson Edward came off the bench and he changed the game a bit, but only a bit. They weren't really allowed to. I mean, we touched on it at the start of the podcast. They kind of, they, 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 they kind of just sat on 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 Celtic in the middle of the park and, and pushed up uh, two forwards, two centre forwards pushed up to cause problems with the bound from the back. And Celtic just couldn't, couldn't really get up and get through the what they got the pitch. Just left them kind of really up blind alleys and all that stuff. It was really quite a kind of controlled, organised performance by Valencia. That it was, it was just always seemed to be a step ahead. So I didn't see an awful lot of evidence to suggest that that's going to change in Spain. Um, I think Valencia would have to be, I mean, completely lackadaisical to the point of ridiculousness to get any any hope. Um, so therefore, the, 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 I think the big game is on now. I think is the league game next week to, to keep up the pressure on the title, the, the, the cup tie in the horizon, Aberdeen horizon. I think they're the games now. This one, I wrote the weekend, I don't even see the point of of risking guys that are touch and go. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not taking Tierney's think of getting fat, bit of fat fit. Uh, maybe you can give him a, a run out to get him fit. That would maybe maybe a way. But I would I wouldn't say I'm not saying sacrifice the game, but as well. Here's a hypothetical: there. Kieran Tierney's fit. Do Celtic lose two 0 the other night? Um, well, possibly because they've lost they've lost the teams like that before with with them on the side. Mm. Uh, but Izaguirre was but the fall guy for both goals in many ways. Oh, yeah, yeah, poor game. Um, one of the fall guys. I think there was a, there was a chain reaction of, yeah, yeah, of calamity yeah. in these these goals. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I think. Uh, but yeah, listen, Celtic were without um, Benkovic and Tierney. I mean, forty million pounds worth of talent probably Aye. in the back line. Can't afford to lose that. No, we, we touched Can't, on last but week's then, podcast. And Tom, Tom Rogic, another one, key player up the pitch. Um, Odson Edward not 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 fit. Hmm. Um, Olivier and Cham perhaps another one uh, who's not really played much in the last few months at all. Um, so you t- if you start taking out three or four big big players like that, Celtic are, are, are going to struggle no matter what. But in the same side, they have had these players involved in big games and lost as well. So I'm not sure you can really. Just quickly, who are you giving pass marks for the other night? The other night, mm-hmm. I thought Callum McGregor. I thought um, again, he's one that 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 we half second I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And you don't get. He doesn't need it. He's he, he's got the sharpness of touch and mm-hmm. feet. To, and I noticed it in the second half when listen, he, he had to do a, a shift protecting Izaguirre, who by that point. Yeah, that was the point. I saw him covering it left well, back I, a few it, times. It's either cover him or go and give him a hug. One of the two, because mm-hmm. he was at that, at that point, he was. In danger. One of the wee emergency blankets. Yeah, yeah. I think it was it was uh, it was hug time. 
Um, but even you noticed him when he was slightly deeper and clicking the ball and, and it'd be a wee bit quicker and getting it up the park. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that's nothing against, against Scott Brown, who's excellent at it, but in the Hibs game in week four, Scott Brown looks like, like Pierlo in that quarterback role. Different great ball game when you've got Valencia charging down top of you. But he's the one I think you get past Mark. Scott Sinclair, I thought, actually played quite well. thought he played quite well. He's, his form has um, been, been excellent this this kind of last month or so. Yeah, it has um, been. Yeah, all the Bucks struggled just for service. Can't really... He's touches. I mean, he's not, he's not, that's not natural to him. We spoke about that podcast last week, didn't we? But he's, mm. he's not naturally um, got that football and kind of brain to do that kind of role. Um, but then, then play balls in behind. One ball in behind him, they got. He didn't get enough of that. Yeah, that, that, that was that was the thing. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I remember the one in question actually, where it was sort of played through. Neto, wasn't it? Aye, Neto read it well. I don't know why he did just get the ball up the corner, and get get all the buck turning defence, and get us a corner kick. Hmm. Some matches, maybe it's because I'm man the underthought point of view of football. Uh, but, but then again, what, what, what do Celtic do with corners now? Well, when was the last well, time? Scored, so- scored the winner from right, right, right. Sunday. Granted, right. Uh, what have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the wine, the roads, the sanitation, the health service, what did corners ever get for Celtic? Right. Directly. Apart from winning the league on directly. Sunday. Directly from a corner. Aye, apart from <clears throat> winning the league on Sunday. <clears throat> um, what did it, aye, but yeah, but that's, but that's, that's not, it's no shame in going to get yourself a corner kick or a free kick or a throw in in the, in the, the, the corner of the field away from your goal. No, exactly. So yeah. it's a good opportunity to yeah. get hit in the counter attack. Yeah. So. But maybe, um, maybe Thursday. No, so on on that basis, one of the, the interesting comments after the game, record sport columnist claimed in TV that Celtic are basically trying to operate, in his opinion, in Europe without a proper striker. So obviously we know about Lee Griffiths and, and his issues. But is Odson Edward not meant to be that man? Is he not meant to be the striker for for these sort of big occasions yeah. and, and get him in there? So if that's the case, why play Oliver Burke, a guy you've just got on loan for a wee while that you're essentially improving for someone else? Yeah, but, but listen, Hudson Edward can play that role and he's, he's only played about 20 minutes since his new year. Yeah, so uh, you think it was just a fitness So thing? I think if he was fully fully fit and function, I think he would have been up there. Hmm. Um, but I, I doesn't agree with you. He's not, maybe not an out and out. He's not a Mr Dembele type. Back to goal can do a, a can, bit of everything. everything. Yeah, I think he's he's better, perhaps dropping off and come in. But then that's what modern forwards do. That it's the, the old style forwards don't really exist anymore. There's very few um, of them. An era of of false and loose nines and shadow tens and all this kind of stuff and <laughs> shadow striker like that one. <laughs> um, well, that means um, oh, there's I, loads of there's loads of the wee Trek Artista is one of my favourites. Uh, that's where I start to lose. Aye. I like to bring in a bit of abstraction just because I know that you can, can agree. So you no, no, it doesn't. I think I'm, I'm needing that dinosaur, but I know my, I know my, my stuff. I get, I'm, I'm, I'm seen as a hipster of my, of my, 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 my peers. I, do you know, I've never seen you in a press box at a game yet, so I'd be interested to, to wonder what kind of clobber you put on. Do you oh, sort of live up to the hipster I've image? My, I've got my inverted the pyramid book next to me in the, in the, in the press box and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Signed by Pep Guardiola. Yeah, put my tea on top of it. <laughs> my pie. <laughs> Brilliant. So, last question for me then. How do Celtic push on in Europe in a more general sense if we accept that they're, they're probably crashing out of the Europa League now, looking ahead to next season? What would constitute progress next season for, for Celtic in Europe? Because, I mean, you, you alluded to it last week. It's bonus ball territory for Celtic. This is... It's essentially a kind of shot to nothing type scenario where anything they get was going to be a positive. But I think definitely among some supporters that I've spoken to, there seems to be a sense that the the nature of the way they sort of... I wouldn't want to say lie down 
Like they didn't lie down to Valencia, but but it was essentially passive. I think is yeah, a, passive is a yeah. very good way to put it. Yeah. So I think I don't know what it means, but people can say it all the time. But uh. but but that's the thing. Like <laughs> if 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 it was as easy as that for Valencia to come and win at Celtic Park, right? Yeah. How does Celtic get back to the point where at least they can say that they're home with the disco lights and stuff like yeah, that? Because yeah. it used to be Celtic could compete with just about anyone at Celtic Park. Now. Yeah. We spoke last week about how the, the wage bill was different in that time and, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But how did Celtic get back to at least some sort of aura of respectability against that second tier? So we're not talking the, the G8 or G9, we're talking the second tier of clubs. Yeah, well, it's, it's, a big, it's a big question, but um, there is absolutely no reason why Celtic cannot be Champions League group stages every single year. I know the budget maybe be for two or three times out of five, but I don't see any reason why they can't. Because as long as this Champions route is open to Scottish clubs... I think that is a. I'm not saying it's a it's a free pass to the Champions League, but it's a certainly m- much less bumpy route than it could be, and that that route is going to get closed. I mm-hmm. mean, because the teams that come through the Champions route invariably get scudded every single season, including Celtic, mm-hmm. um, in in recent times. But as long as that path's still open, there's no reason why they shouldn't take it. I mean, the teams that they faced, I mean, I mean AK Athens weren't any great shakes. No, got Celtic should have won that time. And get, get horsed uh, right and centre. Um, so what Celtic have increased the wage bill. I mean, they've got a pretty tasty wage bill now, but they've got... The squad is is too bloated and there's too much... Uh, too many mediocre players filling the squad. I think longer term, Celtic have to streamline and uh, use their money slightly more wisely on improved talent. Um where that talent is, they have to be creative in, in finding the markets, um, which is a very easy thing to say. Exactly. Much harder to actually do it, given the, the, the scope that, that that most these big clubs have now in terms of um, where they get the players from. They've got eyes everywhere, and they just <laughs> well, hoover them up into no, their youth academies. Chelsea, Man City, you know, we've, got, we've got 30 players on loan. Yeah, it's ludicrous. Europe. It's the, obscene, actually. It is. It's something that needs looked at, actually. But the, um, we can hark back to the, the kind of Wanyamas and these kind of guys. Uh, Van Dykes, the, the ones that they found and, and moved on to greater things, but that that's what they have to try and do. Um, perhaps with the, the arrival um, of Vakun Bayou and um, the lad from Ukraine, whose name I can never pronounce. Shved. Sh- I think my teeth in. Shved. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, Marlon. <laughs> uh, Marlon. Uh, yeah, me Marlon. Uh, Marlon Shed. <laughs> <laughs> um, sounds like a player. As well, so these maybe this may be a move to back towards that. Um, Depends if he's shreddy. So oh, oh, that's, that's a that's a second yellow. <laughs> Is uh, it? Where was my first? <laughs> definitely big words. <laughs> um, right, so that's what we need to think. Need to be better use of resources, um, creative scouting, and the champions route still open to them. I think they can. Then perhaps address ways to play against the, the better teams that. Uh, you look at it, the glass ceiling is probably the last 32 of the Europa League so that's where they are just now mm-hmm. um, how do they shatter that glass ceiling people are going to get paid an awful lot more than me to figure that one out fair enough at least you're honest well that's all from us this week thanks for joining us Mick a pleasure as always we always seem to have a bit of a laugh probably annoying everybody that's listening but there we are um, the letters, we... The <laughs> we will be back again next week whether it's Mick myself or anyone else we've got a, a big team here I heard another sort of bomb like noise I thought this table's made of some sort of weird 
broken or reinforced steel. Don't, don't know what happened. Anyway, do not forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, then please review and rate us on there as well. So thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for listening. And hasta pronto. Hasta pronto.